With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain Squire football podcast. MWR.com is where the website is where you can find all of our previews, recaps of games that are scheduled to be played, Matt, because we have two cancellations. And it's only Wednesday night. <laughs> yeah, I mean, four, four games is you know still fine. Six would have been better, but uh, yeah, everybody's still dealing with the pandemic. Yeah, so we heard rumblings early in the week. UNLV, CSU would be canceled. Now official, Utah State, Wyoming, Thursday night canceled as well, which, for being honest, Utah State probably doesn't want to play the game <laughs> because no Jason Shelley, no Andrew Peasley. They're down to their uh, – Third quarterback, who is a uh, what redshirt freshman. Um, shoot, I had his name in front of me. I apologize. I was scrambling here to get ready. But regardless, do you want a third string freshman, third third string quarterback playing Matt for you for your first ever game? Um, it's not ideal, but I, I feel like Fresno State may have done that in the last handful of years in the Tim DeRuda era at some point. I probably just erased it from my memory. As you should, Cooper Legas <laughs> is the guy who would have been starting with Peasley down with COVID. So we talked about. We talked about Jason Shelley, correct? Him being off the team? Did we discuss uh, that? I think, did that happen before or after? I just remember getting in a little scuffle with it. I think his mom or something who said, it's not true. It's not true. Tell us what happened. And you know, We're the, not going to tell you anything. Ever, <laughs> I, I almost wonder if the if that situation is somewhat reminiscent of the situation that uh, I think it's Melquan Stovall mm-hmm. is uh, at Hawaii, where you know he got kicked off the team or you know he had, I think, what is it? pretty much a similar kind of circumstance late last year. Um, but then earlier this year, he got reinstated. So, you know, it may be that, you know, sometime down the line, maybe in January or something like that, he's reinstated whenever a new coaching staff comes in. So we'll just have to kind of wait and see on that. True. However, it doesn't mean he's not kicked off the team, right? For now. That's what yeah. I mean. Well, but you are, you're either on the team or you're not on the team. There's no in between, right? That's my point. Yeah, yeah. Like he could be welcome back. That's quite a possibility. Whenever, whatever the new Melquise Stovall, by the way, not not Melquan. Melquan's at Nevada. Okay, but that, that's my point. Like you're either on the team or you're not, right? Yeah. You can, there's no in between there, <laughs> and so it's like, all right. So I was looking into those things, like, okay, but I don't know if we discussed or not. We'll repeat if we did. Apologies if our brains are fried or whatever for not remembering. But Shelly's off team. It led to verbal altercation. Removed his uh insignia from the Twitter, put it back, and Utah State was down to a third quarterback with interim coach and didn't play at their OC or DC at, uh, last week. So I think it's not playing. They need to regroup, obviously, because they're not a very good team. But <clears throat> as for what, as for the other game, it's on the UNLV side. And as of now, as a recording Wednesday night, 
head coach Steve Adazio is like, well, it's like last time. He wanted to play somebody when their first game got canceled versus New Mexico, but it was too soon to get something. I think that game was was like a Thursday night, I believe. I think it was a Friday, if I'm not mistaken. It's late in the week. Right now we're sitting here Wednesday, and there's a couple, there's at least one option on the table. For There's two options, I will say, for CSU Wyoming. Colorado, the bus out of the Pac-12, their game versus Arizona State was called on Sunday for this week. Mm-hmm. And the Pac-12s opened up to playing non-conference games. So why not drive to Boulder or drive to wherever to play that game? You could either have Rocky Mountain Showdown. Why not? Play Wyoming, Colorado, or as some people mentioned, Bronze Boogie Point Oh, Rams, Rams and uh, the the uh, Cowboys rematch. That's true. Out of those three options, what would you what would you like to see happen? Another Mountain West game. I mean, I think it depends on who you are in this dynamic. I think obviously Wyoming would want a chance to to. I, I, would it actually be a chance for them to reclaim the trophy, or would it be like you know when Fresno State and Boise State met in the championship mm. game, but the, but the milk can wasn't actually on the line. This is not the official bronze boot border war, so I'm gonna have to say no. They cannot reclaim it. So then, I guess for a I guess for a Wyoming fan, and maybe I already know the answer. Would it be worth it to have a rematch if the rivalry trophy isn't on the line? Like just speaking objectively, I think it would be more interesting to see something new, which is to say, you know, seeing Colorado face off with one or the other. True. I I think I'd rather see a Colorado play whoever, whomever, but there's no other team to add in there. Like Northern Colorado's not gonna play a game. And do you really want to be one of those teams to play an FCS school? No. The Pac twelve has as, as of now, one game like Arizona State can't play. That's clear, it's on their end. Unless another Pac-12 game cancels, because we seen last week UCLA and Cal got swapped mm-hmm. opponents. What Friday morning, University of Utah said, "Oh, we can't play." They played that game Sunday morning as well down in LA, and so which which was deeply weird, by the way. It was weird, yes, but it happened, so it could be done. So not that I'm wishing to have any other school have issues, but I would rather play a new opponent if both could get it. Great. I don't know how they're going to decide if it's just the one. Like, what are you going to give to get that game to be played? Right? What are you going to give yeah. me to? Play this game. You have to do a future series down the road. Take less money for a guarantee. I don't know, but do you think a game will be played between well, either Wyoming or CSU get a game in this weekend? No, you don't think so. You don't think the Pac-12 is going to do it because Colorado's two and zero. They're a pretty good team. I mean, maybe, but I would be really surprised if it came together that quickly, especially since you know as other people pointed out on Twitter, like it's true that, that things are trending in the wrong direction. True. And as far as you know, the number of cancellations and in, in, in the in the Mountain West and the Pac-12 are hardly alone in that regard. I believe uh, Texas and Kansas also got canceled this weekend. Just now, there's I think at least 15 games. There's, yeah, that's what I was going to say. And I think there was like 10 last weekend. I think the count is is it 15 or is it 13? I can't recall. Um, double digits. But maybe the number, maybe the number, the exact count is beside the point. It's just you know we're all on this situation that nobody seems to want to handle it and everybody just kind of want to seems to move forward, which, okay. It's a giant shoulder shrug because Bill Hancock today kind of said, well, we're planning to finish the season January 11th with the national championship game. But in the same breath, he also said they're not going to have a, say a backup team, say the number four mm-hmm. team or I, well, I guess number four teams easier. They're not going to, replace number four and number five in the polls just because number four has an outbreak. So they are wanting to hedge their bets to have the best postseason possible because that would be kind of crappy for a team that can't play because either contact tracing or they're actually sick 
and then, oh, number five comes on in and plays and wins a game or does something the other team just is done and out of luck. So they're trending toward let's be a little more cautious, but I don't know. It's like there's a good reason. Like, what are we doing here? But we know why. It's for money and all that. So that's the reason New Mexico's hanging out in Las Vegas for football. Their basketball team is going to uh, Central North. Well, it's not West Texas, but they're basically an hour north of Lubbock. They're hanging out there, the men's and women's basketball team for money. New Mexico State's in Phoenix right now. There's reasons we know it's money for what they're doing, but I, if it can be done, they'll do it. That's my point. Like, I don't know if yeah. they should they probably not. We shouldn't be doing any no, of this, really. They shouldn't because I went on a rant at the basketball show. I'll just say it again now. If you, so, if you heard it once, whatever, like, not, not you, Matt, or me, but the general we of everybody, we're a bunch of spoiled people waiting for the vaccine to come through and go back to normal without having to sacrifice anything. Or this mu- is or started, it's, it's starting to develop into the kind of situation that I tried to harp on or tried not to harp on too much all summer long. It's like, what is it? What are we actually getting out of this season? Are we going to learn anything with so many canceled games, with, with such a truncated season, with so many individual players missing, you know, one or two games, things like that? It's just, it's starting to become like such a diluted mess that it's, it seems. I mean, yeah, we're going to soldier on, and we'll keep talking about these games as they come. Mm-hmm. But it's starting to have a really, like a real grim kind of march feeling to it. Let me ask a serious question: Are you having fun watching football, or no? Or do you not, do you like? Yeah, we'll do enough to get through what we're doing here. I, I mean, I, honestly, I kind of vacillate back and forth. Sometimes I can forget about it for a little while, and sometimes it's like, why are we doing this again? I'm exactly the same. It's way. a little bit. Of, it's a little bit of cognitive dissonance, and I'm pretty sure I'm not the only person out there who would feel uh, at least a little bit. Because here's the thing: my Utes play USC at home this Friday or Saturday. Yeah. Normally, oh, that's an awesome game. USC plays terrible on the road. Come to Rice Eccles. That's usually a great game. But I'm like, I did a thing for Trojan Dwyer. Buddy, me a couple questions to answer about Utes. I sent it back his way. So check that out when it drops out. But I'm like, it'll be interesting to see what they have. But I'm like, everybody's bowl eligible. Unless, honestly, unless you're say. A top ten team, it's like who, whatever. Or if you're a team that's having a once in a decade or once in a twenty, thirty year period, like uh, Coastal Carolina, or like BYU, who's in the top ten, Cincinnati, and you have something to play for. Like even Coastal Carolina, it's like it's a great year. We may finish nine and zero, but we're just gonna play in our random bowl game and have no probably no chance to go to a big time bowl game. We have Louisiana playing great seasons, like those type of teams. It's nice, but unless you're like. Florida, Georgia, Clemson, Alabama, it's like we want to go to the playoff. That's kind of what they're blamed for. And besides that, yeah. it's like if you're like seriously, if you're a Wyoming fan, yeah, it's great a distraction to watch your team play. But like what do you I don't know, what what's the end result for when you can go to any bowl game you want to or play any game you want to or not play a game you want to, I guess. Yeah, that's kind of my thoughts exactly. All right, should we get to the first game, I guess? So we I guess we're gonna move on. Now that now that we're done bringing everybody <laughs> down. <laughs> hey, we're 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 being realistic and to show our truth like how lame would it be for people who like I'm like being serious, like we don't wanna I don't want sugarcoat. It's like there's sometimes like oh, I gotta do this, I gotta do that for more than normal. Like not just because we kinda do this mostly for fun and a couple bucks here and there. That's not the point. It's like doing it, but like during the season this year, it's like, oh crap, I gotta hustle and do this because I know people want it out there. Cause I'd rather be that and tell you we're kind of not that we're not into it, but we're kind of like not a hundred percent into it because we don't want to be just trailers, oh football and focus on that hundred percent. I wouldn't want to listen to listen to something where you know it's bad and they're not sharing any bad news with you or anything of concern or any issues that may be on the table. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to be rah, rah, great, just 100% this. There's people out there doing it. I want it to be more authentic and say, hey, we have concerns. We're dealing this with you, and here's why it's good or it could happen. But uh, 
Let's get to some games here, I guess. Let's go to Friday night. New Mexico at Air Force. Falcons, uh, let's see, uh, 7.30 local time. It's on FS1, not FS2, FS1, folks. Get that right. Are you surprised Falcons are a touchdown favorite since they haven't played a couple weeks? A little bit, yeah. I thought that was a touch eye because New Mexico played pretty well versus Nevada last week. They seem to have a couple things going for them, but and Air Force hasn't looked good, and they beat a bad Navy team. And so what they've done, like Kajik Daniels got benched. He got hurt and benched. They're not running the ball extremely well overall for what, from what we've seen, but it's been a couple weeks. It's been, what, well, I guess it'll be 20-plus days since they played a game. I know it's – I wonder if it's just the name of New Mexico New Mexico, because the betting, obviously, Matt, is, well, we don't really care who wins or not. We want action on both sides, and that seems enough for me to possibly lean Lobos early on. Yeah, I mean, it's not so much that Air Force has been bad as much as they've been very uneven since that first game against Navy because, you know, on in the in the game following that against San Jose State, the, you know, the defense showed up, and I would say they played pretty well, all things considered, but the offense kind of sputtered a little bit, and they only, they only averaged 4.2 yards per carry on the ground. You know, that's their bread and butter, but that kind of figure isn't necessarily going to get it done. And then, you know, the following week when they went on, the, when they hosted Boise State at home, you know, the offense, I would say, was more back on track, but the defense fell off a cliff. And, you know, they're one of those teams that has been affected by COVID absences, I would have to imagine, just based off of the most recent, um, you know, depth chart. There haven't been any changes except at, uh, inside linebacker on defense. You know, we're now all of a sudden you've got a pair of freshmen atop the depth chart there and Jonathan Youngblood and Alec Mock. You know, Mock's seen a little bit of playing time, but, you know, you're, you're asking a lot of a lot of new contributors and so I think that that's bound to make them more volatile than bad. And so, you know, a lot, of, I mean, it seems kind of cliche to say, but I think a lot of this game is going to hinge on which Falcons team is going to show up. Because if it's the Falcons team that's firing on all cylinders, then you could jump into a situation where they can seize control of this game early. If they can get an early lead, force New Mexico to play from behind, then the Falcons can maybe play their game. But that's not necessarily a given. No, exactly true. And also, a couple of things, just a big picture, depth chart in Mexico still doesn't, I'm trying to look up right now, the status of uh, Tavaki Tuioti. He's uh, listed as the or on the depth chart, so I'm not sure. Have you seen if he's being cleared to play with a concussion? I have not. Um, the latest I recall hearing from Danny Gonzalez, and I believe it was through Steve Berg at the Albuquerque Journal, is that he's still in the protocol, so he's up in the air. Um, the depth chart does list both he and Trey Hall uh, with an or. So I think they're planning, if he's able to clear the protocol, to give them you know split reps in practice leading up to the game. But I think even if Tuioti isn't able to go, that may not necessarily be a bad thing. I would say that Hall held his own overall. And you know, one of the thing, and one of the things that may really kind of make the difference in this game, if we're, if we're looking to get a little more granular, is, you know, that New Mexico run offense, which I think Hall would be better served to contribute more directly to than Tuioti, versus the Air Force run defense. Because, you know, going back to what I mentioned a minute ago about how the Falcons have been really uneven kind of overall, I would say that that's been especially so when it comes to their run defense, because, 
you know, they looked really good in the first couple of weeks, but then Boise State blew them apart. Yeah. And with New Mexico, you know, they were, you know, mostly held in check in their own season opener. They had a much better performance against Hawaii, even though it was a close loss. And then against Nevada last week, you know, they weren't really able to get it going as quite as much. And so that's something that I look forward to in this game. It's like, you know, if Air Force can be more consistent about defending the run, which I think is a huge if because they've been, you know, by the traditional numbers, they've been, I think, slightly above average on a per carry basis. But, you know, when you look at the more advanced numbers, I think there's opportunities there for New Mexico to be able to establish themselves on the ground. Just And, and granted, small sample size applies because Air Force has only played three games to this point. But, but they're... 15th in power success rate. So they've had a lot of success shutting it down on in short yard situations, but overall they're also 121st in the country with a, with a 10% stuff rate, which means they aren't necessarily being as disruptive as they could be. They aren't getting into the backfield and, and racking up tackles for loss. And so that's where I see an opportunity for full hall for Bobby Cole, for Nathaniel Jones, whoever ends up getting the lion's share of that running game work. If they can average, I don't know, 4.7, five yards a carry, I think that's right where they want to be in order to really dictate the terms of this game. Yeah, that's how it always going to be for this team, right? Yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, conversely, if you want to talk about Air Force's offense versus New Mexico's defense, you know, one of the things that made the difference, I, I guess you could say maybe the thing that made the difference in this matchup last year was the fact that, Donald Hammond was able to rain bombs in a, in a yeah. way that you know Falcon fans hadn't really seen in like 30, 40 years. But, that, but that's an element of the game that has really been missing for the Falcons in the first three games. You know, last year they completed, they had a 20-yard pass play or better on 23.8% of their passes. This year it's only 6%. So you're talking about, you know, four times as many big time pass plays last year than the than they've been getting from Warren Bryan and Hazik Daniel so far. And you know, we talked about it last week. We've been I feel like we talked about it week in and week out, where New Mexico's still very much a work in progress in the secondary. And it's kind of an open question as to whether Air Force is going to be able to exploit it in the same way that Nevada did last week with Carson Strong and Romeo Daubs and the way that, you know, Nick Starkle did two weeks before that. And so with that element of uncertainty, that's where this game can really turn one way or the other. Definitely. Well, th- nobody has a Dalbs type of guy out there. So what's the, I don't see how that, it could turn that way if they, they throw that particular type of passing game, but nobody, there's no, no Romeo Dalbs or Jalen Cooper or anybody like Trey McBride or, you know what I mean? Or Dante Wright on this either team that can, they, that can do this type of game. And so, I guess if it takes a throw or two here or there, that could be the case. But what do we say about because attack the edges? Eh, yeah, but you know, I mean, more. maybe, but we we just don't know yet. Like, I I don't I don't trust it. That's fine. I get how that's a weakness, but there's nobody that can do that. That's the point. Like, maybe somebody shows up and gets a couple catches that are like that, but there's not going to be a guy who's going to go off for like a, not maybe not even a hundred yards receiving. I don't think there's a talent or the uh, mm-hmm. offensive strategy to do so. But your point's correct. I mean, I'm not saying that they need even someone to get 100 yards. They just need someone to make a big play because through three weeks, 
they just haven't gotten it. It's a, it's it's two plays on 33 pass attempts, and even with a even with a run heavy offense like the Falcons run, that's just not going to get it done. No, it's like you got to pretend to throw. You got to have a cut. You're right. You only need a couple big plays. It could be like three for 80 and be fine. But yeah. it doesn't even need to be the one guy. But like looking at what Air Force has done, like we know like the offensive line they have is good. They have they're deep at running back. What they have there, like I just don't know what. Like when you look at the Lobos defense and everything they've done, the typically when they play anybody, not just New Mexico, but when they're playing a run option team like this, they're gonna struggle. But maybe maybe this is a game to cure what Air Force does. Like they need help running the ball well consistently, whether it's uh, Tim Jackson or whoever's back there running the ball. I think this is a game where they're gonna get that correct, and so they may not even need those type of passing game to go forward. Like you'd like to have it, but I don't think it's 100 percent necessary to win this type of game because. New Mexico is still, I know they have Rocky Long, Danny Gonzalez, defensive coaches. They played much better the past couple weeks, or at least last week in their Nevada game. But I don't, even if Air Force has a subpar game, this is a game where they can get right and find out how good their rushing attack is or even be good enough. They don't even need to be 100% or 70% to win this game, I think, if their running game is efficient and they hold the ball. Because New Mexico right now, they do have a pretty good rush defense, but it's still a thing where look who they're playing and all those type of things. Like they've, they go and blow one TD, just about three yards per on the ground and given up, but they're playing San Jose state who does have a running game. They, Hawaii sort of does it. Maybe they're better than I thought, but this is not the triple option. I mean, or this is the triple option. This isn't Nevada team who just doesn't need to run the ball. They can just throw and chuck it in the air. So that's the thing. It's like, is this rush defense good because they're stopping the runner because the teams they play all three Hawaii, San Jose state, Nevada are throwing teams. So there's that to consider too, because the Hawaii game was the first game Shavon Cordero got his touchdown reception, or excuse me, touchdown passes on the year. So that's to consider as well. I still think it could be kind of close because I don't trust Air Force to be great. Like this isn't a very good Air Force team, I don't think, in compared to years it's, past. It's. I mean, I don't think they're an 11 win team, but I, I don't know if we know enough about them to make a real strong judgment one way or the other which is a very strange thing to say when you're halfway through the season. But that's just kind of the feel that I have for this team. No, exactly. Because, like, my undefeated prediction was like, oh, boy, Donald Hammond's gone. That's not the case. They have this guy here. Like, they've already had injuries on the year. Like, Joshua Stover, is it Tim Jackson? They don't remember. Um, Kane Remsburg is not playing. He's injured. Still out, yeah. Still out. And they actually, I am very shocked. Troy Calhoun has an updated depth chart that does not list Kane Remsburg. Well, I mean, at some point, when when people just know, <laughs> you got you got to you got to make a concession here or there. I guess so. Yeah. So what 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 do you think? Like, what does FEI and all those type of guys say for this game? Okay, so surprisingly, the advanced numbers are still strongly in favor of the Falcons. Um, SP plus favors Air Force by eleven point three. That's a seventy four percent win probability. Uh, FEI likes the Falcons by even more. They have them favored by 19.9. 19.9? Yeah, 19.9. At 9.9. Almost 20 points? No way. Yeah. That is beyond ridiculous. Am I not, am I wrong in saying that? So, so who you got? Air Force is going to win. Okay. I'm, I'm double-checking my pick. I can always make the change because our picks will be up by the time you hear this for our staff, like, spread straight up for the spread and all that fun stuff. Um, I can't find it here. I'm. I will they will they cover seven? I will say they will. 
I'm going to say, because the over-under in this game as well is 55, I think it'll be a close cover, like 30 to 24 for Air Force. So that will okay. be the under and a slight cover. So, so I'm going to disagree with you. Oh, boy. Bring I'm going to take the Lobos. Ooh. Hey, you had the uh, – what was your pick last week, That your upset pick? Was it CSU? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> Let's not remind anybody of that. <laughs> What's your reason? No, I mean, I, I mean, there's, I mean, there's still a lot of uncertainty about Air Force. There is, and I think, I think that I've seen enough from the Lobos to think that, you know, even despite the fact that Air Force is likely to be able to move the ball in this game, I don't know if they're balanced enough to be able to take advantage of New Mexico in the same way that you know the previous teams like Hawaii and Nevada were able to, and you know even despite the uncertainty of quarterback for New Mexico, I like what I've seen from both guys, so I don't know if it's going to matter who's under center for them. So, I mean, I think it'll be a close game, but give me New Mexico to win. I'm going to take them 28-24. All right. Like, I can see the Lobos winning because, again, we don't know what Air Force has for the most part, and they are missing a couple of guys, and Lobos have played better, but I just think this type of offense, they're not prepared or ready for this yet. Okay. All right, before we move on, we gave our picks, we gave our odds, now I need to uh, talk about my bookie here because they like to uh, help us out on the on the podcast here. So we have obviously college football. What we got to say, Matt, about this is make sure if you uh, bet on a game and it has been canceled, um, check with your local uh, my bookie guy to see if you can get that money back or put put somewhere else. You don't want to be laid yes. off off of the game where nothing can happen. We got NFL clearly. College basketball is allegedly starting next week on November 25th, as far as I'm told. I did a podcast last night on it with Andrew. So we got that. Um, Here's what you can do. You got obviously big favorites, which do we have any double digit favorites this week? This is the first time we might not in a while. Well, now, now that uh, Utah State and Wyoming got canceled, <laughs> there's just a one. And, and UNLV, Colorado State. We have Boise, um, Hawaii. We, we, have, we have one left. Okay. So if you want to take the underdog Warriors in that, be our guest. That's minus 14 at the moment. So you get some good value there. Like I said, the NFL. Um, I'm not going to talk about 49ers to move on quickly beyond that for you, Matt. Sorry, I'm not going to mention it again about San Francisco, but my Dallas Cowboys are garbage too, so there's that. But At least we're at least we're in this together. Exactly. We could also – who cares? We could bet our team to lose. We don't care. That's one of the options you can do in my bookie. Prop bets. So if you want to go through and do like a fantasy style, you can do parlays obviously. But the biggest thing with my bookie, 50% bonus, 200 bucks you put in, you'll get 100 bucks back. So if you happen to have a little false start on your uh, – First uh, bet over the weekend or whatever it is, it's kind of like free money. So go to overtime, put in that code, get that 50% bonus, and go check out my bookie and bet on. Bet your heart out for football, basketball, and I don't know, maybe you can find some ping pong or golf. I don't know. Masters just happens. There's probably golf next week, but uh, head over to my bookie. All right, next games. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. 
Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. Next game, we have uh, the big game of the week. This is the, can we call this the national game of the week of all of college football, Matt? Is that appropriate to say? I'll allow it. Perfect. CBS Sports Network is no longer airing no, this no, game. No, no, no. No, let's say. Hey, 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 no. <laughs> I knew it. I'm trying to be a little tricky there. San Diego State at Nevada, one-half point favorite for the um, Aztecs. It's moved to CBS. That is over-the-air, likely single-digit CBS um, channel, whatever you watch CBS on. So because of the uh, – was it Texas A&M Ole Miss game got canceled due to COVID? Yes. So that game – is now also including Gary Danielson. Um, it's not for Lundquist. Who's the other guy? I forget. Uh, Brad Nessler, right? Uh, yeah. Those guys. So it's on the big old big boy CBS. So that's great. So what this means is that this is the chance for Nevada, for San Diego State, the winner to, um, especially Nevada, Matt, they might be ranked if they win. They're getting votes. If they get a big, big, uh, big viewership for this 1230 local kick time out there in Reno, that's, it could do some good things. Very good things. Mm-hmm. So where do you want to start with this one? Do you want to start San Diego State, Nevada? Nevada's 4-0, best quarterback in the league, best receiver in the league, what, top half running back in the league? What, what, what does San Diego top half running game. Running game. What does San Diego State have to counter with? Honestly, I think a lot of this game is going to revolve around who strikes first, which it's, it's really hard to say because there's a lot of strength-on-strength matchups everywhere you look in this game. And, you know, I was looking particularly at, like, the first quarter and who has had the upper hand in that regard. And, you know, just in terms of, like, the quarterback situation, you know, we, we it seems like we talk during every recap of, like, what, when is Carson Baker going to be able to turn the corner for San Diego State? Not last week. is you know, garbage. Not, yeah, not last week. But what I'll say is that his first quarter performance this year, while it hasn't been in quite the same caliber of, of other guys in the conference, I would say it's been pr- pretty solid overall. Like he's completed 57% of his passes, which doesn't sound great, but you know he's you know thrown for 204 yards. He has both you know two of his three touchdowns in the first quarter games, and you know he's generally been efficient about helping the Aztecs move the ball early. And while that's not necessarily on the same caliber of like someone like Carson Strong, who leads the conference right now in yards in the first quarter, you know, he's racked up a pass rating of 161-61. So he's been about as good as advertised early and often in games. But I think Baker could make a big difference if he can get off to a really strong start. And, you know, especially since the running game for San Diego State, like obviously we know they're probably the strongest one in conference, all things considered. But they've been especially so in the first quarter of games as well. Like, do you have any idea what their per carry average is in the first quarter? I do not. Enlighten me and everybody listening. 7.32. Hmm, pretty I good. believe I may have mentioned this on one one uh, preview podcast or another, but you know, not only is it the best figure in the conference, I'm trying to look up where it ranks nationally, and it's third overall. And the only two teams ahead of them have played exactly one game. So it doesn't really count then. So they're technically number one, right? That's what I would say. So te- technically they're number one. Yeah. So th- I think, you know, both teams are going to come out and they're not going to be shy about doing what they want to do. Like the Aztecs, if they do anything but just try and run the football right at the Wolfpack, I'm going to be very shocked. 
but you know Baker can, like I said, Baker can make a difference. But even if he doesn't, you know we've seen enough from from that from this offensive line from Greg Bell and, and the rest of that running back committee that they might be able to to hit a home run and and take an early lead and really force the issue for the Wolfpack to try and throw and catch up. Because you know the Wolfpack had a similar kind of game plan last year. You know they weren't shy about throwing it then but they just weren't able to make much hay against a San Diego State secondary that has been as good as ever against, you know, pretty much everybody this year. You're right, because, like, when he, when he watched the Hawaii game, they, like, Bell just, but Carson was, was he 4 of 13, like 40 yards or something? Mm-hmm. Greg Bell just went down the field and, like, did the hip check, like, like skating down the field and nobody can touch them, scoring touchdowns. So they don't need Baker, but like we said before, if they're average at quarterback – don't turn the ball over, they'll have a chance to win the game. And so it's going to be running. They have enough backs to run whomever they want back, run against this Nevada defensive front. Like Don Peterson can only do so much for Nevada. Mm-hmm. And so they have, they go two, three, four, five guys deep, like Jordan Bird. Like he'll have the one play for 65 yards and score a touchdown. He's quite efficient. They have all these guys yeah. back there. And so you're right. If, if they do anything else, I would be extremely shocked and disappointed because it means they're not playing to their strengths for a game that is. This honestly, if San Diego State loses, they're mo- they're out of the conference championship race. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot for them to play for too, and I mean, I think especially you know, we talk about you know who's going to strike first, and I think that'll be especially important because both teams, you know, maybe more obviously with the Aztecs, but both teams really rely heavily on their run games to close games as well. Like obviously, Greg Bell is the, the highlight name; he's number one in the conference. Um, not only in terms of total rushing yards, but he's far and away number one in the conference in second half rushing yards. But to what was more surprising to me, and I think I may have mentioned this before, but Toatawa has been a big closer for the Wolfpack as well. Like on the year, he only has what? I'm trying to look this up on the fly. He only has 255 yards rushing. I missed the opener as well. He, he did miss the opener. So he's only playing three, he's only playing three games, but... He's fourth in the conference in, in second half rushing yards. 21 carries, 173 yards. That's over eight yards a carry. So if Nevada can get a lead and if they can prove that, you know, if, if the offensive line can win up front, which is always a big if when you've got guys like Cam Thomas and, and Sean Banks that you're lining up against a play after play. But if they can get a lead, even a slim lead, and they can create running lanes for Tawa, he's shown enough where he can slam the door and keep the Aztecs at arm's length. Did you mention what his yards per play were in the fourth or second half? Uh, 8.2. Yeah. He's up to, like, looking overall, like, I pulled it up too. Like, he also one of the top guys in the conference at yards per play. Like, he has, he is doing quite well. Like, yes, they have Jordan Bird Aztecs, but he has only eight attempts in the second half. So, yeah. him and then he go down to, like, Greg Bell, similar thing, 38 carries, a few more. Basically, some almost similar average, six point six. So, like they, you're right. Both teams want to rely, but one thing I want to see from from New Mexico, or excuse me, Nevada, they've been starting slow the past two weeks. If they start slow versus Aztecs, and Aztecs get out to a, uh, say, a fourteen to three lead or something, like look at Utah State. Nevada was down nine to zero. They didn't score much until late in the second in the second quarter. They've been yeah. the past couple of games where they've been slow starts, and if they're down by a bunch of touchdowns, or not touchdown points, I should say, not touchdowns, but. Aztecs defense is good enough to slow them down, even if Nevada starts going. And so that can be a thing. They can play keep away, run with Greg Bell. Don't have to worry about throwing if they get up to like a 17-3 lead or 17-6. They hold the field goals, which is very possible. Nevada can still strike back and get the win. 
but it'll be much more difficult. And they may, if they're going to win and that happens, they, they might have, it could be like 20 points. That's all they need to win. But this is not a defense, Utah State defense. This is not a Hawaii team or whoever they play where they start slow the past couple weeks. If they start slow and are behind, San Diego State can just choke hold them and run the ball, keep the time position, and then assuming they score a couple points here and there, like it's not UNLV, it's not New Mexico. Like those are games where not those not UNLV, but the last two where they weren't scoring until like looking at New Mexico really quick. If I can get my box score quickly, they only scored ten points. They didn't score anything in the first quarter, and <clears> they are str- they get stronger as they go on. But they need to strike early and often to not fall back behind where Aztecs can just hold the ball and then the running game is good enough to score their own points. Like that's what they need to do. Plus, put Nevada needs to force Aztecs to be like third and like plus seven if possible to force Carson to beat them, which I don't think he can if it comes to that. And the Wolfpack defense can step up and make the running game not super efficient for San Diego State. No, I mean, I, I definitely think you're right about that. And I think we may have pointed this out in the, in the recap podcast. But if there's one area where the Aztecs have really struggled, it's on third downs when they're forced to pass. You know, Baker's only 8 of 25 in in all third down situations, that's a 32 percent completion rate. Um, just by way of comparison, Carson Strong's at 58.1. Um, Fresno State's Jake Hainer's at 77 percent. So a lot of work to be done. But even worse, you know, he has you know only one touchdown. He has three interceptions on third downs as well. So that is t- that is tended to be when Baker has made the most critical mistakes. And you know, if they're in a situation where maybe they're you know, it, you know, it's within 10 yards of midfield, but you know, they force him into mistake, give Nevada a favorable field position. You know, the Wolfpack are good enough to be able to to make them pay for that mistake, and and which is not to say that the Aztecs aren't good enough to be able to keep them from doing that. But you don't want to be in a position where Baker could potentially give the game away, which means they're going to have to win on early downs, which means Nevada is going to have to be more disruptive, and, you know, especially on early downs. And I think. You know, I look at stuff rate on on defense for the Wolfpack. It's 17.9%, which is 70th nationally. So it's it's okay, but on offense, it, San Diego State rates roughly similar. You know, they're 73rd nationally on offense with an 18.9% stuff rate allowed. And so I think you know if they can get going on first and second down, and and even set themselves up with like third and four, that's a much better situation for them to be in than like third and six even. So the, those two yards can make a huge difference for them, um, regardless of whichever side comes out on top in those situations. In this game, like ultimately, if both teams play to their peak, I would lead Nevada winning the game. Because okay. here's why. They have an offense that's much more balanced, correct? They have a quarterback who's almost averaging 400 yards per game in the air. Like, they have, they have the, what, the best receiver in the conference, right? Best quarterback, as I mentioned before, best quarterback in the conference. Like these QB, Dalbs and uh, Carson uh, Strong there, the other Carson, top guys in the country. Aztecs at some point, they're not going to be able to stop this offense if it's if it's playing, like whatever Trick Thompson's done, great. He can only do so much. I don't think if, uh, if Nevada plays well like they did an opener versus UNLV, which, again, these teams are different. They're much more difficult that they're playing this weekend. But if things go well, if both teams play as best as they can on every a- aspect, I don't think San Diego State can keep up because Aztecs can't score enough. And that's what it comes down to. If it gets a lot of points, this game's over and Nevada's going to win. 
and could win by two touchdowns at least if the Aztecs defense can't hold serve or the running game does just goes just does just enough. Excuse me there, but I just think if they play their best, there's no. I don't think San Diego State is a better team at all. If they're going to win, they need to make Carson Strong play poorly. They need to stop Romeo Dalbs and have Toa Tau have a game like he did, like kind of last year. It wasn't super efficient where he needed all those carries to get the yards. But Aztecs, they can run well. Greg Bell, they can run as, as much as they want. But Carson, like Carson Baker, like I just don't trust him to win the game. And even, even, here's the thing, even if he plays his best game, what do you think his best game is, Matt? 12 of 17 for like 200 yards and a touchdown or two? Like that's not good enough if, if that's his best game. I mean, I think we saw kind of what his best game could be when he tried to lead the Mac against San Jose State a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and that was fine, but that's not amazing, is it? I mean, it was it was okay, and I mean, I think in a situation this, it might be good enough. So I don't necessarily want to count them out, but like I said at the beginning, I think honestly, whoever scores first is going to win the game, because I think they'll be able to to put the other team. They'll be able. They'll be able, Excuse me. They will be able to force the other team to play in a, in a way that they may not necessarily want to. I can see that because here's an issue I can see with what Nevada does, and let's say Nevada's down. Like let's say they kind of play last week. They're down. Defense is fine. Aztecs hold the ball. It's like let's just say it's like thirteen to three at the half or something. Something reason close, but Aztecs are controlling. Nevada goes into throwing mode. And if they go three and out, um, four like short drives, three to six play drives, and that defense will get worn out because they'll just run Greg Bell, Jordan Bird, anybody else back there, they'll just run and run and run and wear them out and eventually score points. That's what Nevada has to avoid. Like if they're down, they got to be balanced. They have the running game to do it to give their defense a break because again, this happens to any team. They don't not. It's not that Nevada runs a lot of plays, but they throw, if they need to throw the ball a lot and they're incomplete passes for whatever reason, they're not converting. Three or four plays, it's like a five-minute break. And if Aztecs do a 10-play, six-minute drive, like extensive drives for plays and time, defense just is going to be worn out. I don't care how good they are and what they can do. And even if Carson Bakers doesn't need to throw the ball or even if he gets into bad situations, they just hold the ball and wear the defense out. So the offense has to – that's kind of the worst-case scenario for Nevada there is where Greg Bell goes off for a big running game, passing – or running game, excuse me. Passing game is slow for San Diego State – or, geez, I'm – Butchery thinks that for Nevada because San Diego State stops it. Like if they have to, all those it takes a lot of things for this game to go right for either for San Diego State. I think they're going to run okay. well no matter what. That's my point. But if Nevada stumbles because Aztecs defense is good, they're going to stop Carson Strong or yeah Carson Strong. The Carson's confusing me. What's the deal? Carson Strong, like they're going to stop him eventually. He's not going to just go. I don't think he's going to have like a three hundred eighty yard game. That would surprise me. I would be. I think if he gets a 300, that might, might be a bit eyebrows ra- eyebrow raising because for the defense. But he needs to get close to 300. But again, like if they're playing from behind, they're turning the ball over, three, four plays punting, that's what goes for San Diego State, clear. Because they, like I mentioned before, they can just run it, keep the ball away from Nevada, keep the best unit off the field, which is the Nevada offense, in my opinion, and let Greg Bell do his thing. So <clears> that's how it has to go. But I think San Diego more has to go wrong for Nevada to uh, lose in San Diego State. Like, does that make sense? It does. Nevada has more areas to mess up and still win. Because if Carson Baker has a game like last week where he has 40 yards and then, say, Greg Bill has only 115, no explosive plays by him or other people, they're toast. Nevada could still run the ball reasonably well, and the way they mount, the amount of times they want to throw the ball and get to Dobbs and everybody else, 
they're going to have enough chances to do so, and they can get it done more ways to win than, than San Diego State. Unless, like, special teams or defense does something great for San Diego State, they can still win. I'm not counting them out by any, by any means, but I'm just saying Nevada has more ways to win than San Diego State. Mm-hmm. Aztecs winning this game comes down to running the ball, controlling the ball, and slowing down Carson, uh, Carson Strong. Nevada can throw the ball a million times if they want to, they, they, they're more balanced in offense. That's the point. And they're more potent, too. So they can score like in two plays if they, if they need to. We've seen Romeo Dubs last week ha- averaged 20 yards a catch on 10 receptions. That's not like a three for 90 situation. 10 for tw- 200 yards and was targeted probably five more times. Mm-hmm. So that's why that's how I think. I'm Clearly, as you can tell, I'm leaning Nevada because that's why they have more ways to win. But Aztecs, it, it won't take much for them to get the victory out of there because they are the favorite for – for me, for saying for some reason, I don't know why, but they are a small favorite in this game. What is it, one and a half points? Yeah, and the uh, the advanced metrics seem to favor the Aztecs by a slim margin as well. Um, SP Plus likes them likes them by a one point four, which is a fifty three percent win probability, which is as good as a toss up in my opinion. Um, FEI likes San Diego State by five. Um, what five? <laughs> What do you got there? What's your, like, what's your, who's going to, like, yeah, give give me your pitch. What's going on here? I think in a game like this, when when there's a lot of different ways that it could come down, you know, when there's, there's a lot of different ways it can unfold, I tend to lean on what I think is maybe the best unit on the field. And in this game, I think it's the Aztecs defense. You know, I think there's a turning think, factor. Because I think if even if they can slow Nevada down, which you know they did it last year, they've done it in year past, and so I don't really see a reason why they can't do it again. That even if the offense works and fits and starts, the defense can can keep them in the game, put them in a position to succeed. So I'm going to take San Diego State to win a close Ooh. one, 24 to 21. 24 21. I'm going to go Nevada. I. I'm, it's only 47 over-under. You see that? I did. I think Nevada will get to 30 and win 30 to 20. All right, then. I just think the offense is too potent, and I don't think they're going to – they know what they're up against. They're not going to come out slow and disheveled in this game and score 10 points in the first half. It'll be a game where probably Nevada scores first, I think, and then it might be just San Diego State. If, think of the uh, – UNLV San Jose State game last week. Spartans got up to a big lead, reasonable lead. UNLV made a slight comeback, but then it was like score for score, punt for punt. It'll be something mm-hmm. like that where Aztecs are clearly within reach and can win the game. They just didn't score first and maybe settle for a field goal early on, and we're just kind of like they're down like 17 to 6 at one point and then can't really catch up from there. Mm-hmm. Next game, San Jose State at Fresno State. Valley Trophy. Valley Trophy. What player has the V tattoo? I saw that. Was that a San Fresno State guy? Yeah, that was uh, David Perales, the defensive lineman. Is that pretty bold? Confident? It, it's pretty. It, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's important uh, at a minimum. Okay. Where is he from? The Valley, Central Valley area. Yes, he is. Okay, that makes all sense. It's not a. Uh, there's some head coach I don't recall, and I won't dive into it too much. But they have a tattoo of a different school and their head coach somewhere else. <laughs> Because it's a school, they, school they played is for. He, is he an is he an alum? I think that, I think I that's know. what it was. It was just a weird thing. Like okay, that, that's uh, that happened. Um, but this game itself, it is on FS. Uh, no, no, it's not FS game. Sorry, CBS Sports Network, 4 p.m. Pacific. So not a night game. 
this game is uh, obviously, as we both know, better than what we thought probably preseason because Kellen DeBoer, new head coach, we didn't know who the Fresno QB would be in the offseason. San Jose State was not great, but you've been on their hype train for a while. So this game, like all these games are should be pretty good this week. And even when we get to Hawaii, Boise State, there's a chance that could be a reasonably close game. But, mm-hmm. the, but this particular one, Nick Starkle is probably – did you vote for a midseason awards? I didn't put him as my MVP, but he's up there for like the overall. Oh, man, who did I put? I put, I Car- I put Carson Strong. I don't recall who I voted for. But he's he'd be one of the considerations, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's healthy. So he's at – the only concern I really have in this game for them is like their running game isn't ideal. And – Maybe Nick Starkle can just throw for 450 yards and be done with it. But that's going to be tough to do against the Fresno State, who, like, Ronnie Rivers might be the best all-around player in the conference. See, they have uh, Jay Kaner, who had a really big game last week. He has nine TDs on the year. He's a, he's quietly averaging just almost 300 yards per game after the one kind of clunker early on. And this game, mm-hmm. it's game. I don't know, this game's going to be a lot. Like, they're 16.5 points, 16.5 over-under. That might be way too low. Yeah, I mean, I think it's telling that it opened in favor of Fresno State minus two, and the line currently is San Jose State minus two and a half. Oh, that's what's quite a bit. Wow. I mean, but it's kind of remarkable when you think about it, because at this juncture, there's a lot of similarities between Brent Brennan's team and, and Kalen DeBoer's team. You know, both have quarterbacks that are playing extremely well right now mm-hmm. after four games. You know, both have at least one dynamic playmaker for their for said quarterback to throw to. You know, the defenses have been improving. You know, I think they both have very defined strengths up front, especially when it comes to rushing the passer. So, I mean, <laughs> the keys to the game, inevitably, for both of these teams are kind of the same. You know, it's going to come down to, you know, which team can protect the quarterback a little bit better because you're talking about two squads that rank in the top 10 nationally by sack rate on defense. And I think if you're looking for potential edge, it's that on offense, the Bulldogs offensive sack rate allowed is 101st nationally. It's 8.8%. While for San Jose state, they are sixth nationally with a sack rate allowed of only 1.5%. So I think, Mm. you know, if you're looking for one potential Avenue that this, that this to track as the game unfolds is you know, can the Spartans continue to get the ball out quickly to their playmakers? Because, you know, through four weeks, they've shown the ability to do that. And if they can keep doing that, then it's going to put a lot of pressure on a secondary that's improved over the last few weeks, but, you know, is still young, still has a, a lot of room to grow. And, you know, with established playmakers like Bailey Gaither, like Trey Walker, you know, both of these teams have displayed a similar kind of explosiveness. I think they're both neck in terms of 20-yard pass plays generated so far this year. So there's going to be, like I said, there's going to be a lot of pressure on on the secondary of Fresno State to be able to keep up. I agree. Those guys are 16 and 13 yards per play, respectively. The thing is, as we mentioned in other shows, like if either of those guys struggle, they don't have a, a legit third receiver. Or at least- I mean, they do. They just haven't. They've been spreading the ball around two other guys. Like one week it's Derek Deese. You know, one get one day they they give it to Kyrie Robinson a little bit more. And so I think they've been able to diversify their offense, or, or rather, to change the focus of their offense week to week without necessarily taking away 
from their primary playmakers, Gaither and Walker, at this point. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if Isaiah Hamilton came out and had, like, five catches for 80 yards and a touchdown in this game because you, we saw enough of him last year to know that he's a very effective, you know, third receiver. It's just, you know, I think what they don't want to do is they don't want to get one-dimensional because Fresno State's been pretty solid about defending the run, at least. And though the Spartans did look a little bit better against UNLV last week, I think that that's still probably their biggest hindrance on the offensive side of the ball. So if it gets into a situation where Starkle's got to throw, where Starkle and or Nick Nash is throwing on first, second, and third down to try and stay in this game or try and stay one step ahead of the Bulldogs, that may not necessarily work out for them, even even, even if they have been very effective as a pass-first team this year. No, I hear you, but my kind of my point going like they don't have a like I get Isaiah Hamilton could be pretty good and he is good, but where where's Nick Starkle going to throw to if he can't like I know he spreads around everybody, but maybe that maybe that's all he needs like he'll if, say Gaither has a bad game or Walker only has like three for twenty five or something just inefficient, there but two, a couple of these guys they're going to force them the ball because they're their go to guys. They, I just don't not to say they don't have a third guy, but they don't have a reliable guy who's like okay this these guys aren't playing well here. I'm going to be the guy to step up. He just finds whoever's open after those top two guys. And so <clears throat> that's where my kind of slight concern would be. It's like, okay, if Walker's struggling or Gaither's struggling for whatever reason, whether he's getting sacked or the, the routes, they can't get to him quickly enough because the uh, Fresno defensive line breaks the offensive line and get, puts a hanger on the run. They need to have another guy. Maybe it's a tight end or something, but I think they need – well, not need, but that's just something I'm looking at. They're going to need another guy to step up if – those two get shut down. I don't necessarily think they will, but I don't, also don't think they'll have like combined for two fifty between the two of them either. Mm-hmm. But what the one big concern, like passing game is going to be fine regardless. I think he'll find whomever. It's just I mean, it could be what you said, like well they'll find whoever is open and give him the ball outside of those two. But the running game is what I think what San Jose State needs. They don't really have anybody I trust to run the ball extremely extremely well. Like they had, like Nick Nash is there. Is he still the leading rusher with 177 yards? That is, I believe so. That is not what you want. Tyler Nevins is a senior who that would be pretty good. Does a couple TDs, but he barely runs the ball. Like Kerry Robinson, not doing much either. Like they need more from those guys. Like Kerry Robinson's averaging just not even three yards a carry. Mm-hmm. They need desperately need those two guys to do something decent. And because we know how good the Fresno State defense can be, they they. If they make them one dimensional, dimensional. Even if Nick, if Nick Starkle goes off, that's still something where fine, do that. We, we don't care. You just won't run the ball. And when it comes to those short situations, they can Fresno can tee up and blitz or drop nine and, and beat you that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think maybe maybe it's obvious, but I think the one thing that San Jose State absolutely has to do if they want to win this game is they've got to stop Ronnie Rivers mm-hmm. because you know we we we've been you know, gushing effusively about Romeo Daubs, but Rivers is actually the one who's number one in the conference right now in yards per scrimmage per game with 166 yards from scrimmage per game, which is not insignificant. And he's also the number one scoring threat in the conference right now with nine total touchdowns. So if I'm starting, if I'm looking for a place for San Jose to start winning this game, it's the fact that through four games, Surprisingly enough, they've only given up one run of 20 yards, and they're in the middle of the pack as far as giving up 10-yard running plays. And so I think you know Fresno State's 
you know, I think they do lean toward the pass and they're not going to be shy about throwing it down the field because I think they're confident that their speed could give them the upper hand on the Spartan secondary. But they're not going to abandon the run either. And I think that if San Jose State can bottle that up, you know, Fresno State, you know, is not going to be conservative if they're forced into like third and mid or, or third and long rather. But I think it definitely puts it would put San Jose State in a potentially advantageous situation because, like I said before, you know, you're dealing with two teams that have very effective pass rushes, and so I think if they can win those early downs by by bottling Rivers, as especially as a runner, like if he, if he's going to make his bones, I think he's they're going to want him to do it in the passing game. I think they could probably live with that if they can force Fresno State to go one dimensional and force Hainer potentially into mistakes. That's what I was going to ask you, like, what would be I, – I think it makes sense running back will run well because if River goes, say, 8 for 95 receiving, which is possible, but he only has 37 rushing yards on 16 attempts, I think San Jose State would clearly take that. And this also we should note, this isn't a San Jose State rush defense that's been, as we mentioned, like just trashed the past couple of years. Like, Kate mm-hmm. Hall is one of the best defenders in the conference. He had, the what, three sacks last week, four TFLs. Like mm-hmm. he's getting to the backfield, they're stopping the running attack. It's not one where we joke their pass defense is so good because they don't get they're not thrown against. That's not the case anymore. They are they're not amazing, but like in the yards per play average are three oh nine, which is right middle of the pack. They do they have four TDs, which is still middle of the pack. They're not awful. They're actually pretty good at times. And so yeah, that's I mean, they're, good for them. They're they're a top forty defense by stuff rate and a top thirty defense by opportunity rate. So I think there's definitely opportunities them for, there's rather there's there's opportunities for them to make the Bulldogs one dimensional. You know the, the the talent up front is playing up right now, and that's a credit to, you know, the defensive coaching staff. So who's the most important player in this game for you, on either team? Hmm. Is it Rivers for Fresno State? Is it Hayner I mean, not it's... having interceptions and having an above average game? Because he's been a better of late, but he has had a couple up and down games, like at least early on. He's slowly improved. I mean, River, River just clearly the focal point of the offense. So I think, you know, even if it's maybe a lazy analysis, but it's, he's the most important player yeah. on the team. And and I think as he goes, the rest of the team's fortunes are probably going to go. No, not me. I was just curious. Sometimes it is the obvious answer, and it's fine. Are they going to, like, what has been Woodridge's role in this game? He's gotten a couple attempts every game. Are they still going to switch him in and out occasionally just because? Or do they stick with Hayner, who's clearly QB1? I mean, if, I think if Hayner gets up to a shot of start, as he did last week in Utah State, they're not going to bother with whatever quarterback rotation they might have in mind. I, I really think it's going to depend on, you know, how strong of a performance he can put up in the first half. So you think it could be full on switch or just more opportunities if he's like, like the Hawaii, like or no, the UNLV game, fifteen twenty three. I'm gonna be su- I'm gonna be surprised if we see Woolridge in the first half. Let's put it that okay. way. All right. So, like I'm looking at this game. Like I, I get your point. I think he'll see a couple of snaps, but I don't think it should be necessary. I think his role is diminished each week because the UNLV game was an aberration. He bounced back very well against USU, which it's a good turnover game for anybody to get back and get that game against that Aggies defense. Like the only thing I see the biggest issues for either team in this game to win or not win, I would say for San Jose State is to have a running attack because Nick Starkle, I don't think he can do it all to win the game. And as for Fresno State, 
they have. Is it weird that even though San Jose State's undefeated, I think Fresno has fewer weaknesses than San Jose State? Do you, do you think that's fair to say? I don't know that I would agree, but I think that you could make that argument. That's, I'm kind of wondering, see, because I guess the one, when you look at who's good and who's not at situations, the one area where that I can clearly see who's not good or not great at is San Jose State rush offense. Like, it's not terrible, <laughs> but they don't have a guy to rely on. Like, what if the game's like, 20 to 10 and they want to run out the clock in the second half and like run like a four minute offense. Not that they wanted to sit on it, but they don't want to throw 60 times. Like they have a small, a, a not like a, a not nine to 12 point lead. They just want to use some clock, go down the field. They don't want to have second and nine. I mean, third <clears> and seven and having to pass. They'd rather have second to five and third and three where they can mix it up and do what they want to do, like a play action or bring in Nash to do something. And then I don't think they want Nick Nash to be their main runner either. That's the one area mm-hmm. where for either side, that's the biggest weakness, but I don't think it's big enough to say San Jose State's going to lose because the rushing attack is not very good. Protect the quarterback. Yeah. Both teams, right? <laughs> Avoid killer mistakes. For which team? I, both teams? Especially in the passing game that, that those are the two keys that, both of these teams, and whoever does both of those things better is going to win the game. Because they have great receivers, like like what um, happened last week with two hundred plus yards. Was it Jalen Cropper? Mm-hmm. Come on, mm-hmm. yeah. So what does FEI and SP plus? What do they all say about this matchup? Okay, so SP plus favors San Jose State. Um, slim margin though, three point six, which is a fifty eight percent win probability. Um, FEI, however, favors the Bulldogs by zero point five. Whoa. Can't get much closer than that, can you? No. Looking at FPI here on my end, fifty-three percent San Jose State, forty-seven Fresno State. So it's gonna be it's gonna be competitive, probably. I I see your pick in there. I'm wondering what you're doing there with your pick. I'm going <laughs> San Jose State. I this is a tough one to pick. I'm going to Fresno State. Okay. Because I think, that, like I mentioned, they have, if you're looking at the game, like you mentioned, I said, hey, who's the best player? Well, it's Ronnie Rivers. If Ronnie Rivers is Ronnie Rivers, San Jose State's not going to be able to keep up and stop them. Enough. I, like, who do you trust more? Like, the quarterbacks are, I can't say they're new, but they're still kind of, they've only played a couple games. If like, the game falls into a track meet, I would trust the Spartans' defense more to make a stop. Hmm, interesting. Or maybe more to the point, I would trust the defense more to create a turnover of some kind. Yeah, I, I'm just torn on the game. I'm leaning Fresno, but I'm, I guess maybe because they're at home, but not that that really matters this year. I, I'm i just going to go with the best player. Like, Nick Stark could have a huge game. Like, every game he's had has been pretty good. My one concern, like, Jay Kaner has had one game where it wasn't very good at all, but he's been showing me a lot more than they're finding new receivers, like Cropper out there. That's kind of what I'm leaning, because I like Ron Rivers. Like, he's probably the best all-around player. Like you mentioned, he's leading the conference in scrimmage yards for play. Or per- mm-hmm. they match up with like total yards are pretty Im- similar. Rushing yards is not that much difference overall. Fresno only has like a 30 yard advantage. Um, here's one thing that okay, here's something I didn't bring up I meant to before. Here's where I think San Jose, we mentioned the rushing attack for San Jose State. Fresno mm-hmm. State's rush defense could be a big weakness in this game because Shavon Cordero 100 plus yards, they're giving up 150 more, 100 and sorry, 100 more yards, just about more than San Jose State on the ground. So maybe this is a game like Tyler Evans or San Jose State gets their ground game going. So maybe mm-hmm. maybe I'll change my pick because of that. Ooh, that's a, man, this is so tough. 
these games are this game is like my there's a lot of good games this week. We talked last week. There's not there hasn't been a great elite game comes out mm-hmm. of Lost Wire. This could be the game. Nevada, San Diego State could be the game. I'm gonna make a switch. I'm ready my pick. I'm gonna go San Jose, San Jose State because I think their running game will be able to move the ball more than normal because Fresno State's defense on the ground isn't that great or good enough. So I'm gonna go San Jose State to win. And what's the line? Is it two and a half for San Jose? San Jose? No, it's one and a half. Whatever they're gonna win. Or, excuse me, two and a, two and a half. Excuse me. It's changes. I'm going to Spartans to win and cover. So last second change, folks. Yeah. It's going to be a track meet. I've got the Spartans winning 34 to 31. Oh, I can give a score pick too. No, shoot, hold on. <laughs> I just tried to figure out who's going to win. Um, over under is 60 and a half. I think. Take the over. I know. I'll go like 38, 33, 38, 34. So I'll go 38, 34, something like that. There'll be a lot of All points. Right. This will be a very exciting game. All right. The final game of the night Boise State at Hawaii. It's a CBS Sports Network game, so no need to uh, bug us and find the Team One Sports app, just so you know. It's, uh, what, six local time, nine mountain time, eight Pacific. Broncos are a two-touchdown favorite, which that seems a bit high, too. Is that Do you think that's a bit high, or is that about right? Well, I mean, we talked about it last week with the recap of the Colorado State game. There's a lot of uncertainty about Boise State, and there's a lot of uncertainty about Hawaii for totally different reasons. <laughs> Because you know Hawaii looked great in the first couple, they looked great in the opener against uh, Fresno State, but then they got blown out by Wyoming, and then they looked sharp against New Mexico, and then they got blown out again by San Diego State, and you know now they're starting to deal with some some injury concerns too. They're missing one of their you know key linemen, Cole Abau, who's done for the year, and. You know, while Boise State's dealing with a lot of issues themselves, both injury-related and COVID-related, um, we don't necessarily know who's in or, or who's out for this game for the Broncos. But, you know, like you just look at the talent advantage and just how they've generally played. And, you know, other than the, I don't know, would you call it an aberration against BYU because they were so depleted? Yes and no. I would say mostly yet because defense was more at full strength than the offense, but the defense got torched and crushed. Um, yeah, it's it's more of an aberration. Like it's okay when it's not the norm, it's an aberration. So <clears throat> it was a yeah, but the the margin of victory clearly was an issue. Like I don't know if they, I don't think they're the better team. Like I even mentioned on Twitter. Oh, if they think Blackmire, but George Helani is a bigger loss. So, yeah, the losing by, what was it, 40 points or so is a bigger deal than we thought, and we weren't think that was going to happen. But, yeah, it's more of an aberration than that because when's the last time lose by 40 points, right? Yeah, because, like, we still don't know anything about Helani's status. And when you look at what Hawaii's done against the, the ground game, and, you know, we mentioned it, I think, before the CNA State game, that their run defense was kind of trending in the wrong direction on a per-carry basis. And the Aztecs definitely kept that trend going. And, you know, on paper, like if Boise State was at full strength, you would say that they've definitely got the capacity to do the same thing that the Lobos and the Aztecs did. But without Holani, that's kind of an open question as to whether they're going to be able to take advantage of what is looking more like a weakness up front for Hawaii. Like they've been a little better than they've been in years past when it comes to defending the run. Like they're, they're 80th in line yards per carry, which is not great, but it's, it's not quite as bad as it was last year. Year, 
but they've definitely given up a lot of big plays on the ground. That was more or less what buried them early in the game last week in Carson. So I think if Boise State can establish that early on, it would be, I think they'd be able to put this game away fairly early, but I think that's a big if. But even if they force, you know, Hank Bachmeyer's hand and they force the Broncos to go through the air, you know, I, I just don't know if Hawaii has enough answers, however the Broncos choose to attack them to be able to hold up in the long run. You're right, because Shavon Cordero has been okay. Like, their passing game hasn't been what we thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Because it's not besides the one game it was it versus uh, New Mexico where he had that huge uh, pa- finally got his touchdowns in there. It's a game where I do like, like we'll look at San Diego State like they. That's where I think if George Lonnie's there, it's a great even if, even if he's not, it may not matter because I know Greg Bell and Aztecs rushing offense is different than Boise State or anybody in the conference essentially. Mm-hmm. There's going to be room to run whether it's Andrew Van Buren or whomever to get the ball and run the backfield, and so they're going to be. Yards on the ground are what really might make the difference. I think Bonkamar will throw it around and do his thing, but I think the rushing defense is going to be an issue for why. Because, like, let's put it this way: Did you realize that the Warriors are number one in the conference right now in opponents' passer rating allowed? Nope, I do now. They're also number one in opponents' completion rate. They're only allowing a forty-nine point five percent completion percentage. And they're also number one in the conference in, in interceptions, if you can believe that. Interesting. Is this because teams run on them more or what? Like, is it a San Jose State effect from past couple of years? It's really hard to say because they caught Jay, <laughs> they caught Jay Kaner they did. with his worst game of the year. Mm-hmm. But even then, he averaged over nine yards an attempt, so it wasn't like it was a total loss for the Bulldogs in that game. And then he caught Levi Williams in his first start of the year, his first full game. They didn't necessarily need him in order to blow out the Warriors. And then they caught New Mexico in its own quarterback shuffle with, you know, Tavaka Tuioti getting, you know, hurt with a concussion. Trey Hall coming off the bench and being somewhat, you know, uh, scattershot late in that game. Uh, and then last week against San Diego State, they didn't need Carson Baker to really perform. And so it's it, to me, it's kind of a question of how misleading are these numbers really? Because I think there's a potential for them to be very misleading. Like if, if Bachbeier comes out and throws for 300 yards and a couple touchdowns and, and Boise State walks away with this one pretty comfortably, I would not be shocked at all. True. But look at the, here's the thing about the quarterbacks you mentioned. Fresno State, Hayner, first start in a long mm-hmm. time. Wyoming's quarterback isn't Levi Williams. Well, he throws a little bit. He's not known to be throwing. He probably throws better than that. But he's mm-hmm. not known as throwing quarterback. Same as New Mexico, but Trey was it? Um, no, it wasn't Trey. So we got to Tavaki. He got injured, injured in that game, but he played completed the game out there. But it's like the quarterbacks they played haven't been good. Like clearly, Bachmar is the best quarterback they played. Like you mentioned, like yeah, they're not, like the interceptions are for real. Like you can't fake. There's the one tip versus Fresno State, so that's kind of fluky a little bit. But you can't fake really getting getting interceptions. Those are legit. So when they throw, they've. Only teams have only thrown ninety nine times against them. They're basically they're average, six interceptions. So like one every one every six passing plays is an interception. Six mm. or no, sorry, no, that's way too high. Never mind. <laughs> sorry, six whatever. It's a the interceptions are happening. My math is fried. math is hard. I'm like no sixty percent. That would be amazing. They'd have sixty t- interceptions. No, but my point being like they're getting a couple a game, and so but it's too fully right. It's like we don't know because they the quarterbacks they played haven't been great. 
Because look at other games the quarterbacks have done. Like look at Trey. I know a different QB, but Trey Hall's done this. Carson Baker has done this in other games. Levi Williams, Jay Kaner. They've all had. I I did the research because I wasn't sure bring going this team bring it up, but I think I'd be safe to say every quarterback they've gone up against it's their worst game, numbers wise. Yeah. So there is something to it, but then again, when we see their rush defense get blown up. That's hard to say, but then again, their pass percentage. Like, here's what you can look at to know if they're for like passing yardage. Who cares, right? Doesn't matter. When you look at completion percentage, and then you got and yards per attempt as well as the thing you want to look at in QB rating. But like, I don't care how many yards they throw for. I don't care how many times they throw. But when you're only giving up fifty percent passing, that's pretty good. That's not mm-hmm. because because we look at San Jose State years past. Yeah, the yardage was down. Like, let me just pull up like 20, 2016 really quick. They were, I mean, that's the right year. That's 260 years to give my apologies. Let me pull up another year where they were pretty good if I could find one on the fly really quick. But I guess last year, let's see. Oh, okay, last year. They were second in the league at 217 yards per game. They had, six, mm-hmm. like, okay, that was second in the conference, really good. But their completion percentage was 61%. That was, like, one of the worst in the conference. That was, like, mm-hmm. fourth in the league at the bottom. 16, tu- 16 touchdowns. Not too bad, but that's still it's okay. But percentage and QB rating, what they're allowed for San Jose State, they were just middle of the pack at best. Yeah, like percentage is a real thing. Interceptions or rating are a real thing. I don't care about yards unless it's like per attempt. So, is Hank Bogomark of his worst game against this Hawaii defense? Probably not. But it's it's a mix. It's hard to explain to profoundly say they're good or not good because there's areas where they're good. But then again, is it the chicken or egg? Like, well, they'll just run the ball, and they pass when needed. But they're not even—they're not—they're allowing only half the passes to be completed. So that's really good. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I, I would say sixty forty it being better, but it relies for me. It's mostly the rush defense that needs to step up. That's what's going to happen. And if Lonnie doesn't play, that helps Hawaii. Yeah, I mean, I think another thing that would help Hawaii is that you know, when you look at Cordero's splits, one thing that jumps out immediately is that he's actually been pretty solid on both first and second down. And and as a team on third downs, Hawaii's actually been, you know, they've been middle of the pack. They're converting 38% of the third downs, which is seventh in the conference. But when, they, when Cordero's asked to drop back to pass in a more obvious passing situation, he has been miserable. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, he has you know, he, uh, third and third and short, which is one to three yards to go. He has a passer rating of 182.10. Um, third down and four yards or more. Uh, I mean, without having doing the math, it's basically a quarterback rating under 60. Uh, 29 pass attempts. Six first downs and three interceptions. Hmm. So if if Boise State's going to win up front, which you know I think there's a massive advantage for them because Boise State also owns a superior pass rush. You know they're one of those handful of teams in the Mountain West that's in the top twenty nationally by overall sack rate on defense. Um, so if if they can put pressure on on Cordero, it could be another long evening for them. But if he can prove even marginally from what he's done in the first several weeks, that would be a massive boost to an offense that has really kind of worked and fits and starts more often than not. They just, they need a better performance from him on those money downs to be able to keep the chains moving because you know Boise State's going to get theirs one way or another. 
Oh, they definitely will. They'll get yards. They'll move the ball. They'll get points. Um, I, you're right, though. I think with – so what do we make of the – we just said it's, it's hard to know who's playing for Boise State. I'm assuming the defensive line is mostly back from the two weeks ago. Well, I know that they they had one guy. I think it was Keegan Freeborn um, who was out for the year with injury. But it was um, two games they, ago where they are going, like, we have the minimum to play against CSU. Yeah. Or was that CSU game? No, I was. that was last week against CSU. Okay. They had five interior linemen. Um, nothing in their current depth chart suggests that they are still dealing with the same level of COVID issues that they were before. Um, you know, the only real change, and I think it was, um, J, I think it was Jay Tester, PJ Reigns, I apologize, but that uh, Divine uh, Obidre got moved up to the starting role at nose tackle ahead of Scale Agehion. So, I mean, that's something to keep an eye on how they, you know, utilize that rotation because, you know, Hawaii's, you know, for as uneven as the passing game has been, I would say that they've had more consistent success running the football. Um, and so they're going to need those guys up front to perform, um, and it, especially if they can't catch the same kind of breaks that they made for themselves on special teams last week, which I don't think that they will. I don't want to say never say never, you know? Sure. But if, if it's a more traditional offense versus defense matchup where special teams contrib- contributions are more marginal, then, you know, if those guys up front can win, like on paper, it looks like they have a couple of pretty sizable advantages. Um, then they should be able to help put this game in good hands for them. Yeah, special teams is not going to have a repeat performance last week. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> just saying. That's like a once-every-decade type of performance, essentially, almost. Yeah. Three blocks, a touchdown return. So what's your what's the advance number say for this one? Because I think we're all leaning Boise State, and I think Hawaii can win it if Cordero is, like I said, he's going straight back, typical pocket passer, not what they want. But they have like Calvin Turner – Miles Reed, they need to run the ball a bit better, which we'll see that if it can be done. That's what I was wondering about that D line situation. They yeah. need to be a bit more balanced, and they need to have their studs receivers step up. They haven't had their guys been out, been as good as we thought they would be all year, and so that's a concern. Maybe we're overvaluing overvaluing that, but what are the numbers saying this one? Because it's a fourteen point line, fifty eight and a half over under. Yeah, so SP plus likes Boise State by eleven point nine. That's a seventy five percent win probability. Um, FEI also likes the Broncos by roughly the same margin. They have it at 12.6. So what do you say? I think the Broncos are going to win this one pretty comfortably. Um, I mean, I think Hawaii should be able to put up some points, but I just don't know if they're going to be able to move the ball consistently uh, in the same way that I think Boise State should be able to against this Warriors defense. So I'm going to take Boise State, let's say, 38-24. So, push? <laughs> oh, man, that's no fun. Okay, 30. <laughs> let's say 41-24. We're, like, in the same category. I was thinking 38, 40 points. I'll be a bit different. I, You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say it's not going to be close. Because remember, the championship game last year was uh, not ideal either, right? It got away from them late. It was competitive for about a half. Because remember, I criticized about Jalen Henderson playing so much in that game, or leading up to that game. I think it'll be forty to sixteen for Boise State. Ooh, okay, all right. I think they can pull out. Like Hawaii, I'm not saying they make, make mistakes like Cole McDonald, but maybe I'm. Yeah, I think I think that could be the case because running game not there for Hawaii. Boise can move the ball, and Bachmar will. This will really test that defense. See if it's really good secondary. So I'll go big for Boise State, forty to sixteen. 
All right. All right, so our episode, all of our games for the week. We talked about cancellations. Don't remember um, what Utah State Wyoming, UNLV, CSU. If there's a game to be played between those two, um, CSU uh, Wyoming, obviously, we'll let you know if that's the case. But check us out, mwr.com. Previews, recaps, keys to victories, all sorts of random stuff going on. QB rankings is going to be out as well. Um, who should be number one on my QB ranking this week, Matt? Really quick. It should it be uh, who's number one? Car- just easy Carson Strong and be done with it. I would say Carson Strong until further notice. Okay. Where should I put Hank Bachmark? I put it NA last week because he missed a couple games and technically did not rank them this week. Three or four, maybe. So. Okay. All right. That's my thoughts. I was thinking we're on the same page. Just making sure. I felt my little my thing of saying if they miss two games, they're going to be pushed out. But if it's because one guy got at me, like San Jose State quarterbacks, blah, 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 or whoever's like, well, first off, read what I said. The guy only missed one game, and so I'm not going to mm-hmm. punish him for one game. So just wonder if there's thoughts on that there. So, all right, folks, again, subscribe, review, rate if you made it this far. Give us a high five on Twitter, and yeah, we'll see you next time. And we will have a, a good, uh, I guess, technically some sort of midseason show a little bit on Sunday, <laughs> right? Yeah. All right, until next time, we'll see you.